Ken Rosenthal swinging by to join us right now, coming off the Orioles-Rangers series, the sweep for Texas. We'll get to them and what's going forward, but let's close the book, Ken, on the Baltimore Orioles. Your thoughts on how this series looked and projecting forward, because I don't know if you caught any of our conversation, but I'm very fascinated to see if they're going to finally actually do anything. This is their time to strike, and I thought they were a little short compared to Texas. You're absolutely right, Scott. And actually, I thought their time to strike was at the deadline, even the previous deadline. Now, the previous deadline, that's when they traded Trey Mancini and Jorge Lopez, and they got Yenier Cano out of it. So I have no argument in retrospect. They were right. But at some point, I said this on one of the early broadcasts during the game, which is game one or game two. At some point, you have to fire. You have to spend money. You have to do some things that get you out of your comfort zone. Now, I don't know that this is necessarily a Mike Elias decision. It's an ownership call, and ownership controls the payroll, and Mike Elias operates within that payroll. Now, he can advocate, and he should be advocating for the ability to spend money, but there's two sides of this, too. It's not just free agency. You mentioned that they have not signed anyone under Elias to a multi-year deal. That's because they really just started trying again. But it's also in trades. And we talk about their young players. Their farm system is loaded. They have multiples at many different positions. They can do some things in the trade market. Now, it's a little bit tough to say they blew it at this year's trade deadline only because there wasn't that much available. Scherzer and Verlander were kind of separate categories. Jordan Montgomery was the best available starting pitcher. Lucas Giolito, okay. Aaron Savali, okay. They end up with Flaherty, who Tampa Bay was also trying to get. Not a great move, obviously, but I can't find fault with them too much for that because there was nothing really to be had or not much to be had. But at the same time, here they are. They obviously have a great core. Now you have to build on it. Now let me ask you this. Say, all right, they get some trades here and there, but at, at the, in the offseason, you know, what kind of – because you think about the trade deadline. I mean, you talked about it. There, you know, there wasn't that, like, big, you know, picture where it's like – Ah, I can give, you know, besides, I mean, Shohei was in a different story at the time, but what pitchers right now, are they going to, in the offseason, they can be like, man, I can go after these one or two guys and hopefully draw these two coming into the offseason. Well, Todd, it's a good question. I'm a little bit postseason fried right now, so I'm not thinking about which pitchers (laughs) might be available. But my point is, when you have young talent, you can basically get or at least start a conversation with anybody or any team you want about any player you want. Because if you're willing to trade that young talent, it's so valued at this stage of the game's evolution that teams would be willing to listen on maybe pitchers who are zero to three years of service, right? If you can trade two top offensive prospects for those kinds of guys, I'm not talking about Gunnar Henderson, I'm not talking about Adley Rushman, I might be talking about a Jordan Westberg, someone of that caliber, then you open things up, and they're going to have to do some things. There's no question. I thought not only were they short on starting pitching, when you look at their lineup, they need a guy in the middle of the order who is just a badass, for lack of a better term. And it's not that Gunnar Henderson isn't. He is. But I'd like to see a veteran guy in that order really just presenting problems for the other team. And they're not going to spend on a Corey Seager type, and there aren't many position players out there on the free agent market this year. But maybe there are things they can do trade-wise to make that happen. 
Ken using some vulgar language today. I love it. You are <laughs> you are spicy yeah, off of off of the yeah. flight. I love it, man. You've been you haven't been hanging out with AJ enough. That's as far as I'm gonna go, man. Okay, well, what kind of word <laughs> would you use for the showing the AL East put up in the playoffs? Because are did we overrate the AL East a little bit based on how the 0 and seven in the playoffs is? 0-11 going back to last year, if you count the ALCS, I, the Yankees lost to the Astros, right? I don't know that we overrated the ALCS. The Blue Jays, I believe, are overrated. I've been pretty vocal about that. I've written that they're paper tigers, and until they prove <laughs> otherwise, they're paper tigers. The Orioles and Rays were two teams that over 162 were really good. They got beat, both of them, by a hot Texas team. And I didn't see this coming. I watched the Rangers play the Mariners in Seattle that final weekend, lose three of four, lose the AL West title on the tiebreaker. I am very surprised that they snapped out of it this quickly, but that's been their season. They've been very streaky. So there's nothing to be ashamed about for the Orioles and Rays, and the Orioles in particular were a younger team. It was their first taste. I don't know that they were fully ready and fully on all cylinders. The Rays had some things go wrong, right? Wander Franco was one. The situation that he's involved in, some pitching injuries, and they didn't hit in a short, short series. So these things do happen, but at the same time, obviously the AL West teams, Texas and Houston, are pretty good. So let's get into the Rangers um, going forward, too, in addition to what you saw. So first off, we didn't know what kind of Evaldi we were going to get, myself included, in this series. Well, we have figured out in this postseason, really, what type of Nathan Evaldi um, we are getting right now. A dude that shows up in spots like this, he was fantastic again, and then there are reinforcements coming. So I know you just wrote about this in The Athletic. Take us through, there it is, the Texas Rangers pitching plans going forward. Well, first off, Evaldi, he has now put two together in a row at the perfect time of year. And if you remember, he missed about six weeks, almost six weeks with a right forearm strain. This is a pitcher who has had two Tommy John surgeries, comes back in September. They don't send him on a rehabilitation assignment. They bring him right to the big leagues, start him at 35 pitches, then 50 or so, then 75. And they were building him up in the big leagues. His numbers were terrible. Come the postseason, he's built up. And we've seen in the start against the Tampa Bay Rays and his start last night, this is the Nate Evaldi of the first half, the guy who made the all-star team. What's really fascinating about them now is that there is, I would say, a strong possibility that both Scherzer and Gray, Max Scherzer and John Gray, are on the ALCS roster. Now, they're not going to be fully built up. Scherzer's coming off that right terrace major strain, and you have John Gray with that forearm tightness, but that wasn't ever believed to be a serious injury. When they put Gray on the IL at the end of the regular season, they knew he would be out through at least the division series, but they expected he would be back for the ALCS. Looks like that's going to happen. Both Gray and Scherzer are throwing simulated games today. That's kind of the final step toward evaluating where they are. But should these guys both come back, even if one of them comes back, it gives them more options, especially in multiple inning situations. They have Dunning. They have Heaney. They have Cody Bradford, they have Martin Perez, all in this hybrid kind of role. And they've got Evaldi and Jordan Montgomery as two really legitimate starters. So you throw Scherzer and Gray into that mix, you lengthen out their staff and what that staff can do for you. It becomes more versatile. 
So really the Rangers are seemingly peaking in all facets at the right time. But now they get a four-day layoff, so let's see how they handle it. Now let me ask you this. I'm a big believer in bottom of the lineup um, coming through in these playoffs, especially And you think about Texas, you think about Josh Young and, and Evan full count Carter, man. I mean, these two guys, and we know about Josh. He, he's probably going to be top three or five in whatever the rookie of the year um, thing at the end of the year for the, for the votes and awards. But this guy, Evan Carter, coming up and showing up, I mean, this is huge for the Texas Rangers moving forward. These two guys, you know, just to name a few, they've been clicking on all cylinders, but they've been dominating as well. You're right, Todd. And I'll tell a story that I didn't quite get on the air last night, but I thought it was really revealing about Evan Carter. So before game two in Baltimore, they have outside the clubhouse, the visiting clubhouse, a series of tables set up. That's where the guys eat. They don't really eat in the clubhouse. They go outside to do that. It's kind of a holdover from the COVID era. And before the game, Evan Carter is sitting there leaning over an iPad. He must have been sitting there for a good 20 minutes, maybe a half hour. So I asked him afterward, okay, what were you doing? He said, listen, they supply us with video of opposing starters, plenty of scouting reports, but I like to do the work on my own. I feel that I absorb it better. So he was studying the starter that night, who was Grayson Rodriguez. He wanted to see pitch shapes, pitch sequences, how Grayson Rodriguez worked against left-handed hitters, the whole bit. He's taking notes, and he's devising a game plan. And he said... And I can relate to this because I think we all can relate to this, actually. When he sees it himself, it's like writing something down. You're absorbed better. And that's what he does. And this guy is obviously a student of the game. He has a gifted eye. He's always had that plate discipline. And what he has shown so far, it's historic, frankly, the amount of times he's gotten on base. So in addition to Seeger and Simeon and Nathaniel Lowe had a great night last night, and Adolis Garcia, all of the Rangers' offensive stars. I'd even throw Mitch Garver in there. They've got these two young guys who have come up here and really played big for them, and it's impressive to see. Now, you said earlier, you said that their pen, back to what you're saying about the Rangers' bullpen, it's versatile. Could it be seen as hamstrung a little bit too? Because earlier in the show we were talking about most teams have – Five, some of them have six high leverage guys that are in the that are in the playoffs right now, but they don't have that those high leverage guys. So when something goes wrong, if there's a game where they're not hitting, like they've been just banging the ball. Obviously, if they score six to ten runs a game, they're gonna win all of them. Doesn't matter who's pitching. But could it hamstring Bochy a little bit, or is he enough of a wizard to get through it? I would say he's probably enough of a wizard, Eric. And you're right. They don't have classic back-end dominance. LeClerc right now is going pretty good. Chapman is hit or miss. We've seen that. Josh Spores is doing very well as well. So that's the three that they have in the back. But let's say Gray and Scherzer coming back. Who's to say one of them can't be it? And who's to say you can't use Dane Dunning in that kind of role? They'll have options and pretty formidable options. So I understand what you're saying. It's a valid point. But it seems to me the more better arms they get out there, assuming these guys are good enough to go, right, then they'll be okay. Ken, sorry, I, I was on vacation like you are now. So, I mean, are you going to get rusty from your long oh, AJ, layoff? Oh, AJ, how's the four While seasons? the rest of us are just how's grinding away? The rest of us are just grinding away while you have a layoff there, Junior? I don't see you grinding too much, AJ. You're sitting in the hotel room right now. 
<laughs> you're not in batting practice. Because your series is over, you know, we get the night game. If your series wouldn't have ended so quickly there, Junior, we would still uh, – we'd have BB, we'd be at the park getting ready to kick off in about 15 minutes. Hey, I apologize, AJ. As usual, I control your schedule entirely. <laughs> Exactly. Are you gonna get? Are you gonna get rusty like all these teams complain about? No. From having too much layoff. I mean, you are home. You're not in. You're not in Houston or Minnesota grinding away. I did fly home this morning, and I may actually take a day off today, AJ. Yeah, it's gonna happen. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, the other question is. Uh, and yeah, I'm not gonna get rusty either. By the way, it doesn't happen that way for writers. Sorry. Oh, okay. uh, that's because players. True, true crap. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know who's not going to get rusty. Verducci, the way he works out every day, but that's a whole different story. So when you flew home today, Ken, did you recline your seat? Yes, I reclined my seat. Oh, I have a medical reason, know. though. I'm not going to go into it, but I have a medical reason for reclining my seat. Do you ask you the person behind you? you? I'm four foot two, AJ. Right, the person behind me is not going to be bothered by me. Well, your seat goes back, though, still the same amount. I guess it does. No, I don't ask the person <laughs> Well, Ken, the, for a little context, um, AJ. Yeah, how about some context? What a, what a shocking yes. thing. Go, go ahead, AJ. Give him the Cliff so Notes version because it's I important. We all Houston, fly a lot. Yes, yeah, so when I flew from Houston to Minnesota, I put my seat back, and the guy behind me started hitting my seat. That's, and then he, then he called the stewardess and woke me up, the, the, the flight attendant, excuse me, to wake me up. To tell me I have to put my my uh, seat up so he could use his tray table. And then we had some I don't words understand after the that. Flight. And then we had words yeah. after the flight. I'm with you on this, AJ. I I, I don't get first that. time. Ken agrees. First time ever. If the seat is allowed to recline, why do you need permission to recline it? That's my thought on that. Okay, Ken. So let's get back to baseball since you're going to. Yeah. How happy. about that? <laughs> <laughs> Who do the Rangers want to face? I would say Minnesota. Houston has had their number, as we know. Now, their fans want Houston. I get that. It's a great rivalry, and the Houston Astros are the team of the last half decade, if not longer. It's six straight ALCSs, maybe going on seven, right? But I would say Minnesota, because they are less battle-tested, although they're fine. I, I like that team a lot. I would guess Minnesota just because of the Houston myth or the way they've dominated them over the years. But how, how fun would that be, though, if Houston and Texas? I mean, I know it's not Yankees-Red Sox, but Houston-Texas, they don't like each other very much. And no, they don't, and it would be a lot serious, of fun. It would be a blast. Be serious, and think about it. I mean, play it out. I, I played it out a little bit in my calm today. Dusty Baker versus Bruce Bochy. I'm taking away the rivalry stuff. Just take away that, not that you can, but this alone, Dusty Baker versus Bruce Bochy, two Hall of Fame managers. We could get, if Scherzer's healthy, Scherzer at least on the opposite side of Verlander, and maybe they would even pitch in the same game. That would be pretty amazing. And plenty of stars on both sides as well. Seeger and Simeon for the Rangers, as well as... Scherzer and Evaldi, and of course Altuve and Alvarez and Justin Verlander. It would be a really sexy series, for lack of a better term. Now, I don't know if people in the East would watch it because they'd be all upset their teams are all out, but if you're a baseball fan, you watch. And if you're a Giants fan, you'd get the San Francisco. That's exactly right. Bochi and Baker? That's pretty cool. I'm sure Giants. And as I wrote today, 
Also, if it's Verlander and Scherzer, they're both active. Steve Cohen should come and throw out the first pitch for one of the games because he would have been the guy gifting both those teams with those aces. That's a good call. See, that's why I always say, uh, Steve Cohen, good for the game, bringing that entertainment. (laughs) Sign those guys up, ship them off to ALCS contenders. Ken, good stuff. Enjoy the uh, the long, quote, long layoff, and we'll talk to you soon. (laughs) And AJ, hey, AJ, don't work too hard. Work too hard uh, I'll, I'll keep you posted kid and my back gets sore from carrying you okay <laughs> well plus he's got the three-man booth too so right are you the only three-man booth aj yes yes okay yes. so you know divides the work, the work up AJ. further right exactly we got to keep his pitch count in check thank you ken <laughs> be right back on ft <laughs>